Not heard the latest about pooping prime ministers? What podcast have you been listening to? Because it definitely isn't the Totally Buzz podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and totallybuzz.co.uk. So what are you waiting for? Tune in now to hear all the latest news from around the web on the Totally Buzzed podcast, the only place to be totes buzzed. Football Beef! Hello and welcome to Football Beef, the podcast where we take a player and hash out all those debates about them that have not only dominated social media, but pub chats. I'm your host Laura and this week we look at the man, the myth, the legend that is David Beckham. Here's a recap of all your need-to-know Beckham facts before we get underway. David Beckham quick facts. Six clubs. Manchester United. Preston North End. Real Madrid. LA Galaxy. AC Milan. And PSG. Senior debut. September 1992 versus Brighton. Club football, total appearances and goals. 523 matches and 97 goals. Retirement. May 16th, 2013, v Brest. Club honours. Six Premier League titles, one Champions League, two FA Cups, one La Liga title, one Spanish Super Cup, one Ligon title, two MLS Cups, two MLS Supporter Shields and one International Cup, four Charity Shields. Personal honours, Ballon d'Or runner-up 1999, runner-up FIFA World Player of the Year 1999-2001, English Football Hall of Fame 2008, Premier League Hall of Fame 2021, International 115 caps and 17 goals, England. Notable fact, he is the first English player to win league titles in four countries, England, Spain, the United States and France. To debate David Beckham, I'm joined by Liverpool fan, the professor of football manager himself, Tommy Pittman, and I'm joined by Manchester United fan, Daniel the Devil Jones. Tommy, how are you? You ready to go on Beckham? Yeah, as, as ready as I'll ever be. I feel like you've, you've gone quite early calling him the man, the myth, the legend, so we'll, we'll see how the debate stacked up against that, I guess. Can only go one way, I feel, for David Beckham, and if he's listening, maybe turn it down now. Daniel, are you ready to go? I mean, you're a Man United fan. You've got to have some views on your favourite son. I absolutely do have some views on David Beckham. <laughs> Whether they agree with a Liverpool fan... I'm not so sure. We'll have to see. There are three questions that always appear to surround Beckham's football career. And the first one that my two illustrious panellists will discuss is, did David Beckham's off-field fame affect his playing career? Daniel, let's start with you. I mean, you're a Man United fan. A lot of people say that Beckham left the club because Fergie thought he got too big for his boots, which is more related to his Hollywood sights and his pop star wife. I mean, you've got to have strong views on this. I do. And I think it's easy to just assume that his fame affected his playing career but then I think a lot of people forget the facts that they attribute it to Victoria Beckham and I think you you can't talk about David Beckham without talking about Victoria Beckham and I think a lot of people attribute it to the facts that he was with a Spice Girl but I mean what did they they met in like 97 I think it was and got together in 98 um, at a Man United party and I think the thing is that you know he still had five years at Manchester United before he left 
where he was still playing some of the best football of his career. To say that his fame affected his football, I don't think there's much clarity to that. I don't think there's much there's much evidence to support that. I don't I don't think it helped his career, as I'll probably allude to later. In fact, actually, no, I would no, it did actually help his career. Sorry, I'll allude to that later. I thought about that, but I I don't want to get like splinters in my bum. But I'm kind of sitting on the fence with this one. It's a bit it's a bit of an odd one, really. I don't think it necessarily affected his footballing abilities, but yes. I do think it affected his career overall, whether rightly or wrongly. It's it's just such a tough thing to decide. Tommy, we go over to you just for your general view on this before we break it a little bit further down. Off the field fame, big effect on Beckham's career? Right, to be honest, I'd probably agree. So not too much for debate on this bit just yet. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I don't think it did. I think it's sort of more about, I think, like perceptions of his career and his relationships with others in football more than his actual on the field impact and like, general ability like he still played for Man United for a number of years he still then went on to Real Madrid and even when he went off to the LA Galaxy he still came back to it with AC Milan and PSG so I don't think there's sort of really much of a case to say that him having that sort of off the field celebrity status really impacted his career in any sort of negative way at the very least there's a lot of word about that we automatically assume by saying did it affect his playing career we automatically assume that we mean negatively by that and I think it's like obviously a preconceived notion that we all like we just go oh well it affected him negatively but actually you could argue that it affected his playing career amazingly because as Tommy just said he went on to play for LA Galaxy AC Milan Paris Saint-Germain Real Madrid obviously straight after leaving Man United so some of the biggest clubs around world football that was an effect on his fame first and foremost I don't think any of those clubs would have taken him had he not have had the notoriety that he had so are you saying or suggesting here that his fame was a factor in these clubs being interested and he didn't get them purely on footballing merit? 1,000%. There's no question about that at all. And I think, furthermore, looking into it, those clubs were the ones that were lucky enough, if you would consider it lucky, to sign David Beckham. But they were signing more than name. And I think David Beckham doesn't get the credit that he deserves for his marketing ability and his business brains because any idiot can look at the clubs that he played at and went okay so fashion capitals of the world Milan Los Angeles Paris Madrid it's no real surprise that when Victoria Beckham was launching her fashion career in 2002-2003 when David Beckham was leaving Man United that he ended up having his career spanned out across these different countries throughout the world that were all highly prominent in the fashion world to kind of aid Victoria Beckham's career so that is a very good point especially when you point out how many fashion capitals that are linked to the clubs it's damning that a little bit oh I know my fashion I know my fashion I didn't know that we were going to go into a little bit of fashion debate and talk about our Gucci's and our Pradas but here we are so put it down to the skin and bones are you even implying that he wasn't good enough for some of the teams he may have featured in because if you got him on the books and you're saying he was signed on his name but are you saying that once he got through the door he might have justified his performances on the pitch no absolutely I am saying that he wasn't good enough for the clubs that he played for he wasn't a Galactico by the sense of what the Galacticos were you know I don't generally feel that he would be fit to tie the Ronaldo's laces he's not that kind of player was he as good as Figo of course he wasn't but what I would say is that he strategically picked where he was going to aid his profile his certainly media profile and to aid Victoria Beckham's fashion career that's the only reason he'd done it Tommy do you reflect that or you think that's a little bit harsh because to say it was just a bit of 
smoke around him that's getting in the moves rather than what he does on the pitch. I think it, it, I think it's probably almost certainly played a part in him getting those moves, fame and his celebrity status. Because I don't and I don't think that he would necessarily have left Man United when he did if he didn't have that off the field fame and there might not have been as much of a, an effort from Real Madrid. And then there's other teams to bring him in. But I think it's a bit harsh to say that it was purely based on the celebrity status that he held, the wages they would have paid him for the time and the transfer fee and all of that. I think. Well, the transfer fee was minimal compared to what some of the fees paid. For at that time were you know they paid what 25 million I think it was for Beckham when he was a million euro I think for 2003 that's quite a lot of money I think it would have I think I've got in my head about 25 million pounds yeah in terms of like the exchange it was probably about that but I think for the time that was sort of just before sort of Chelsea started and obviously like Real Madrid had spent bonkers money on Zidane and, and Figo and things like that before but before sort of Chelsea started spending loads and then that inflated for everybody else I, I just think that, it's, that it definitely played a part I'm not going to like argue that point because I don't think that anybody who's signing a player like that isn't thinking oh you know we couldn't really boost sort of like our, our income here sort of in the same way that Man United have now signed Ronaldo obviously an amazing player but it's not just a purely footballing thing it is partly based on the income they can generate from merchandise and advertising and then sponsorships and all of that but the footballing side of it played more a part and I think that's sort of borne out by how much he did play especially if you think of when Real Madrid signed all those other players around the time particularly English Michael Owen and Jonathan Woodgate which is slightly or Jonathan Woodgate it was slightly more bizarre signing but the fact that they were there for like a year and then they were gone and they barely played whereas Beckham stayed there for sort of like the entirety of his, of his initial contract at Real Madrid I think that's sort of shown that it was a footballing decision with other considerations playing a part which I think I think it's fair enough. Every football club needs to do what they do. Before I feel Daniel makes another point, I am going to just say directly. So would you say that you feel you would be comfortable lining him up with Ronaldo and Figo and not picking him out? Because Daniel's picked him out and said like he wouldn't lace D Ronaldo, which is some hell ship there of the uh, Brazilian. I'm sure I'm a new fan. <laughs> yeah, I know. D Ronaldo, and it's not Cristiano. But would you say you'd feel comfortable going Figo, Beckham? You wouldn't feel like Beckham was a sore thumb and out of place? No, I don't think so. And again, I feel like his media profile, I guess, does play a part in that because was when I was growing up, I was watching like David Beckham come towards the scene with England and the United team and the treble and all that and then all of it building up. So I think in my view, that does sort of play into it. But I don't think like it's not the same as if you took, oh, I'm just going to try and think of like if you took just the first thing that comes to my head, Danny Drinkwater and stuck him in that Real Madrid team, <laughs> he would stick out like a sore thumb. I think like David or, or like in the way that Jonathan Woodgate stuck would like if you're looking at sort of the players that Real Madrid have and had at the time, like that they stick out like a sore thumb. Thomas Graham. Like, I think Beckham Exactly like that that's one that you like think is like that's really weird. But then like it ends up working. But like if you're building a team, you wouldn't have been like at the time like, yes, we're gonna put Gravison in there with Beckham and Zidane. Like I I don't think Beckham sticks out in that way I think it's I, I think he, he fits into there and obviously maybe not wasn't maybe as naturally talented in the same way that some goals. of those players were but I don't think the, like the difference in quality was to like such a level that you'd be like what's he doing here kind of thing <laughs> what are you doing here not in a racist way get out of here Daniel do you 
feel that swayed you a bit? Do you can you justify the fact that he, you're saying for the fame, but he played 159 times for Real Madrid? That that's an impressive amount, is it not? No, I would actually question whether Real Madrid really wanted him or not, because you'd have to consider that he was one of the darlings of English football. Whether the Spanish kind of government obviously owned Real Madrid saw that or not, but the fact they paid such a minimal amount for such a high-profile player, uh, it could be it could be a case of the fact that Manchester United just wanted rid of him. But consider around the same sort of time that Man United bought Rio Ferdinand for thirty million pound from. Leeds United like I mean like they spent way much more money than David Beckham was sold for and in this kind of notion that old David Beckham's one of the greatest of all time I would have to question like his transfer fee wise he was sold for peanuts every single time or it was free transfer and stuff like that and I think Beckham's agent and Beckham himself were very good at kind of engineering the moves that they wanted I I generally think that if if Beckham wanted to go to Madrid for free, he probably would have because he knew what that was going to kickstart. I kind of, there's a massive part of me that feels that David Beckham stopped being a footballer when he left Manchester United and went to Real Madrid. Wow, strong words. I mean, he's, you're not, you might have started sitting on the fence, but you've well and truly burnt the fence down and, you know, put it in the skip <laughs> by now. But I'm going to. Oh, actually, just sweeping them up, getting them in the urn. Pretty much. You know. Well, the thing is, we look at that team, the Real Madrid team then, they had Zidane, they had Figo, they had Ronaldo, they had Raul, and you're talking about Galacticos. The Galacticos were the best footballers collectively in the world, and, you know, despite all the hatred that Figo got for leaving uh, Barcelona, you're talking about the best footballers in the world. Are you going to put David Beckham in that category? Of course you're not. Why would you? But it's the fact of the matter is that they needed a media face. They needed someone that was going to draw eyes on them and things like that, and which he did. You know, David Beckham is one of the most influential people on the planet, even to this day. And yes, he is a heartthrob. Like, men want to be him, women want to be under him. But the fact of the matter is, I think that Real Madrid knew what they were doing. Manchester United just wanted rid of him because he did feel that he was bigger than the club. Same as Ronaldo in 2008. And for, yeah, no, that reason, yeah, his, like, to go back to the original question, his fame, of course, it affected his playing career because... Like I say, when he left Man United, he stopped being a footballer and just became a media personality, really, that played football. I feel that has answered the two sides of fame. I feel, Tommy, are you going down? You Do you think it affected him maybe in a positive way, but you're not willing to go as far as Daniel is and question his whole sanity? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 think, no, I think Daniel said earlier sort of, that when we say it affected his career, we do think, oh, well, it affected him negatively. Like whenever there's things written about footballers in general, it's, it's away from football. It's like this has affected their performance on the pitch and I don't think that ever happened particularly with David Beckham but it definitely his media and his profile and his sort of like celebrity status I think I think it definitely did sort of play a part in the clubs that he played for and how his career went but not in not in sort of like that but not in Tommy can I way. ask you a question yes you can but <laughs> when we're talking about his playing career I think we've obviously sided towards his club notoriety in his club career but not really paying too much attention to his international career the red card that everyone remembers do you think you know, remember obviously there were mm. like effigies of him hanging from lampposts and stuff like that mm. do you feel that that would have happened if he had not been with a Spice Girl and he had not been this yeah, gorgeous celebrity. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely would. We, yeah. we, we, we love a scapegoat in England when it comes to international tournaments. I think whoever did that, they would have no, been... I, I mean, I get that, but like, take 
do you know what? Perfect example, actually. I was going to say Jordan Henderson, but people can be on the fence about him. But take one of your own, James Milner, for example. If James Milner got a red card in a semi-final or a quarter-final at a World Cup, will there be people hanging effigies of him? Probably somewhere. It just wouldn't get as much attention because it's not... It's not, it's like not the celebrity. The... And then in the days of social media now, can happen now, it wouldn't have been effigies. It would have been all over social media or the abuse forum. And I think you get the same thing whatever player did it now. That is a good point. Whoever, whoever does it in a semi-final, in a final, in whatever round stage of a knockout tournament that does something that's deemed as the thing that causes us to lose, they're going to get absolutely slated. Yeah, no, that's so a fair point, to be honest. I think, obviously, I mean, look at... The Euro you know, final. For, yeah. <laughs> Just look at the Euro yeah. final. There's a certain Man United player there, like Sancho. There's an Arsenal boy, like Sancho. You, uh, Rashford, Rashford missed a penalty as well. No, Thanks. I, I don't like to bring him in. Two Man United players. Two Man United players. <laughs> Sorry. That. Man United us. two, Arsenal one. <laughs> Forgot to give you the victory on that one. No, Fuck you know, I'm, I'm a Man United fan and I'll be honest, like to peek behind the, the fourth <laughs> wall, peek behind the curtain. Like I was obsessed with David Beckham, like to the point I wanted to meet him and I was just, I was so obsessed. I wanted to go to his academy that he had down in London. And I have a DVD was, of that. You know, I think anyone who was growing up at that time but like watching football like getting into it the first time like because David Beckham was the like footballer of the time especially in England well I think he was the George Best of the late 90s early 2000s he like, clearly had his troubles he got with Victoria <laughs> instead of Baby Spice so you know he wasn't <laughs> thinking straight but no I mean he was to me he was everything and like I remember I wanted a David Beckham tattoo not his face or anything like that <laughs> nothing weird but <laughs> nothing do you remember weird. do you remember nothing the weird, just his face on my face <laughs> no 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 do you remember the David Beckham logo the like it was like a no. symbol taking a free kick kind of thing it was on his football it was basically what they were attempting to get like the Michael Jordan equivalent like the what's on Air Jordans yeah. but it was the Beckham yes. free kick shape oh I just googled it I don't know yeah. Yeah, it did take off, Tommy. It didn't take off. Tommy, it really didn't. (laughs) No, but I wanted to get that tattooed on my calf. And I went down to the tattooist when I was 18 and said, can I get this, please? And he went, no. He went, I'm not doing that. I'm like, oh, uh, okay. Okay, okay. Yeah. And he was like, he went, if I may be so crass, he went, do you hate pussy or something? I'm like, sorry, what? And he went, no girl is ever going to touch you if you Uh... ever have that. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get that now, to be honest. That's just like uh, something to turn you off of that. I'm like, all right, nope. So, yeah, to this day, my cast remain tattoo-free. No David Beckham. I will say before pictures. we move on to the debate too, and Daniel reveals too much to himself, there is something that Daniel has triggered about the fame question that I feel I should ask. Do you feel that David Beckham, re- the reason why everyone latched on to him, he got the fame, is because he sold the ideal dream of a footballer? Like, the boyhood, he didn't just get the accolades and the trophies. He didn't just play for the biggest club in England at the time before someone gets angry at me. I think, I think it was just that because he was just very marketable and he sort of tapped into that. It's just that he was everywhere. I I didn't particularly go like, oh, he gets to do these like photo shoots and he gets like his own line of underwear and he's got a toy, he's got a Spice Girl as his wife. I didn't think about that. It was just, he, he was just everywhere. Yeah, no, I agree with that actually. You know, look at him. He's obviously a, a gorgeous man and he was a good footballer and he had that it factor, that cool factor and, you know, gone of the days where 
most footballers look like an old leather boot. Uh, he had, you know, at times some cool hair. He had the flair about him. He always looked sharp. He was nicely shaven and stuff like that. It only made sense that he got with one of the most famous women on the planet at the time. Um, so, I mean, it all kind of made sense, really. So we're going to move away from his fame and we're going to question two that does get debated because he does get a lot of praise for this but I already feel like Daniel has several points of why this where he's going to go on this does David Beckham deserve to be considered one of England's best ever captains I mean he is synonymous with being an England captain through its golden generation if you will so he does get listed as one of the first captains a lot of people remember obviously there is a generational thing but Daniel would you be comfortable considering one of England's best ever captains absolutely not (laughs) Elaborate, please. Okay, so why is this even a question? Some people say it, and I generally feel that it needed to be debated. I've heard people call him England's best ever captain who didn't win anything, which, by the way, is everyone bar one to the people I saw debating this online. No, and I fully appreciate that, you know, the best ever captain that didn't win something. But for me, he never had any leadership skills. So, and that's what I look for in a captain. I look at someone that can rally a team round. So, someone like a Steven Gerrard, a John Terry, a Wayne Rooney, someone like that that can actually like lead a team, get them rallied together and and things like that. I do think watching the Euros this year, I kind of saw a little bit of Beckham in two players. If you say Harry um, Kane, I'm walking off my no, own. No, 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 no. So Sterling was one and Grealish was another. Not for their leadership skills, which Beckham didn't have. It was for the feel-good factor. And I think Grealish spent most of the Euros sitting on the bench and then when he came off every, like you just felt that elation everyone was like oh now we're in with a chance of winning and I think that's what David Beckham had when he was captain it was like the oh my god this feels really good and you know I remember in fact I remember being the last game in the UK where David Beckham was captain we had Sven Joran Eriksson as manager and David Beckham was captain it was at Old Trafford and we beat Jamaica 6-0 I want to say I think if if I remember rightly, uh, Crouchy scored a hat trick. Lampard scored. The mascot scored. Just every John Terry scored. Like everybody scored. And weirdly, like throughout that game, this is when I'm Beckham obsessed. I was wearing my Beckham shirt and everything, and I'm watching him, and I just thought, there's no leadership there. He's just he he's very much playing up to cameras and the feel good factor. Like if Bex is on, you feel like oh, golden balls. He's gonna have something. He's gonna do something. But he wasn't a captain. And to say about the to never win anything as arguably people say it all the time that was the best chance we had to win something with that team with the individual characters we had one of the best England teams of all time but and if you can't lead that team to something then I have to question your abilities as captain Tommy how what do you make of Daniel's assessment and where do you sit on the question generally I mean the question generally I would again agree and say no I, I don't think he is I think the, the larger point might be what you expect or want from a captain this is a general point football isn't you want somebody who's gonna be like a real right I'm gonna drag you all up to my level in the way that Steven Gerrard was for Liverpool for a very long time is it gonna be somebody like I guess Harry Kane for England at the moment who's arguably the best player on the team and you make them the captain or is it somebody that you're like we can rely on you you're gonna put in like seven out of ten performances every week and then everybody will sort of follow along with that you're gonna like work your ass off of the team I just think with David he didn't quite fit into any of those really I think it's probably more a case of he is playing playing a part in it he is our most famous 
famous player, put him in there. Whether he was best player for England at the time is another debate to be had. Like it was obvious that he cared, that he really, really cared about playing for England, and maybe that was sort of the thought process behind it. Like I think it was, I must have been sort of like the 2006 World Cup when I feel like he came off injured for the end of it, and like he was on the bench in tears. Like didn't he stand on the sideline at one point in that? I think I feel so. like I, I remember I, I feel him like he standing there injured, and he had, I feel like he had like ice on his ankle or something like that, and he was obviously like it was clearly like quite upset. It might have been like the end of the match after the inevitable penalty shootout defeat that he was upset <laughs> because he was like this is like probably the last time that I'm going to captain the team in a World Cup. It was obvious that he cared but I think he didn't sort of raise like the level of the team in terms of performance. He wasn't one sort of to do that. He wasn't one who sort of go out and grab people by the scruff of the neck not literally physically but like make everybody sort of play better and like have a go at somebody who's sort of like done something wrong to make them perform better. I think he thought, obviously, there was no trophies. It was a very talented squad. I think that's down to him as a captain. I think that was, again, a wider point about being the team at the time. But I think as well, there's sort of more, like, very few, like, moments from his, like, career captaining that you can be like, that was the moment that a captain steps up and does something. Or it's like, the, or the one iconic one is the free kick against Greece. <laughs> and then, for me, it's like, the penalty against Argentina in the World Cup. The re- based on what had happened four years before. The redemption but, penalty. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, but there's there's nothing else that I can sort of sit and go. That's a great captain sort of stepping up and. Did you not hear my story about Jamaica and six <laughs> nil? <laughs> Iconic David Beckham moment, six <laughs> nil against Jamaica in a World Cup warm up friendly. Hey, that meant something. <laughs> it meant something to you. Um, oh, that's true. That's he did look matters. at me. Exactly. He did look at me. I found he, he locked a eyes. Bit. He locked eyes for a second. It's like this one's for you, Daniel. So where um, are you going with the, uh, the 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 best England captains then? I've not seen enough football from before. I was alive to, to judge captain from back then and I think oh there's not been too many of them now or since David Beckham because he was captain for a long while and then it was what, John Terry Stephen Gerrard John Wayne Terry Green, again Harry I know um, Rio Ferdinand um, was in there I'm sure he was yeah, I, I, I remember Rio like, Ferdinand was captain for like five minutes I feel like if I if I picture a captain bring them from from my time watching football even though David Beckham was sort of like the captain for you know a decent chunk of that time he's not the first name that popped into my head who is uh, oh, that's is what I'm literally sitting on bated no, breath it's, it's, it's probably Rooney or Terry to be honest because again they were probably like the captain for the longest whereas Stephen Jarrett that's another debate that he was obviously been captain for ages um, I mean I remember when Stuart Pearce made Scott Parker Stephen Gerrard had more was like, Stephen eh? Gerrard was, had more caps as captain than John Terry or Wayne Rooney really that surprises me. Yeah, no, That's for me... That's how non-turn up he was for England. I said it. Carry on, Daniel. When I would buy football shirts, especially England shirts, and I would have names on the back, there was only ever two names that I would even consider having. In fact, I looked through them a few months back, uh, my old football shirts, and a lot of them were England shirts. Uh, sorry, a lot of them were Beckham shirts. But the only other name I had was Steven Gerrard because, for me, he was the complete antithesis of what a captain is. No bullshit, no, no anything. You know, absolutely hated him for Liverpool because... He's a scumbag and our arch rival, but my God, did I respect him. And in an England shirt, I absolutely loved him. Would I consider him one of England's best captains? Of course not. He had the same problems that Beckham did, that we had a team full of stars that couldn't do anything. But for me, Stephen Jard is, you know, pretty damn good captain. There's just a couple of points I want to throw out there here with the best captain argument for Beckham. Would you not say he was the first, well... 
Shearer did have to deal with it a little bit, but not as much because, you know, he got out at the right time. That Beckham was maybe captain because of his media skills and the way he handled the media and knew how to deal with journalists a little bit. Because this is a guy who lived and breathed media, as you said, and he was the poster boy. The guy had to go speak after matches and he never put a foot wrong in that sense. Tommy, you want to take that? I don't think so. I think it was a case of partly judging the ability and then also just in general his his status within football, within the England team, like the hierarchy of it. David Beckham at that time was always going to be at the top or very near the top. I think it was a, t- a time as well when in, in general sort of like the media access to players and that was growing anyway. And I think all the players who were sort of playing for England around that time had probably had sort of quite a lot of media training. Like maybe not as much as they have now, but I think they were all sort of in, in that position where they, you know, after. The, the Super Sunday match on Sky Sports are being trotted out in front of cameras they're in like Champions League press conferences and things like that so I don't think that really sort of would have played too much of a part in it even though he's probably the only player who had came back from the zero to hero status I mean we're talking media U-turns here uh, that's, that's, we're that's talking he put himself up. in the position to be the zero so Ooh. I don't think you can blame other people Ooh. for not um, kicking somebody in a World Cup knockout match and getting sent off and then coming back after and being like I'm, I'm, I'm here <laughs> now I'm the hero you've waited for. Some would argue they deserve to be kicked. But um, <laughs> Daniel, how do you yeah, feel about that? Of, do you think that Diego. the media not play any part? I mean, this is a guy who knows how to deal with media. England have just gone out of a World Cup. They've got the tough questions coming to them. They're getting backhanded comments from interviewers in the sense they're trying to get provoked. David Beckham is probably the one person you'd be like, he's seen this, heard this all before. He's not going to rise. Today. Yeah, absolutely. Don't I mean, don't forget his first, the first time he was capped him was in 2000 so he's gone into his career by this point and he's already you know he's already made some of the mistakes that he made beforehand and uh this is obviously after the sending off uh, against Argentina but by this point he's become a real focal point for the Premier League at that point and he is one of the most interviewed men in world football so he knows how to handle the media he's not he's never shied away from a camera or anything like that he knows exactly what he's doing loves him i mean bear in mind that i still remember when he was having his first interviews in fact for a few years to be fair he sounded like harry kane does now to be honest like he just sounded like a complete no an idiot like he couldn't string a sentence together but i and i don't know whether the reports are true i read that he had elocution lessons to learn how to speak but whether that's true or not, I think if it's true, it helped him massively. But I, I do think as well, being the England captain, all you need to do is just throw a few buzzwords out there just for the just for the England fans to claw onto. And I think, you know, Gareth Southgate's very good at that now. Harry Kane's learning it and it's just enough to appease England fans. I don't I don't think it takes much to kind of make us happy in terms of supporting our national team. Just a oh yeah, we'll get them next time kind of mentality. You say that, is that the idea that maybe Beckham was throughout that generation the only one you could really guarantee because you said both said about how he cried and always looked like you got passion from him it was always the golden generation that was accused of whether their heart was truly in it or it was club before country debates and stories it was, since it was the, always club before yeah, country it was out, always but maybe Beckham was a guy who would always put the country before club when he could 
And that's why he was captain. And it's a lead by example pick rather than an on the field. Because you, you said about firing up in the Gerrards and the Roonies and, you know, the guys who look like they're popping blood vessels when they're trying to be captain sort of energy. But is Beckham not the, I'm a professional, this is how you lead by example. And they were just maybe hoping for a knock-on effect captain style. That's a good question. It's a very good question. You know, there's a lot of, there is a lot to be said about remaining calm throughout a match. And David Beckham often did that with the exception of the Argentina Look, match. Let this match go. Some, like I said, I don't. The kick was warranted, but continue. I weren't hanging the effigy for God's sake. <laughs> like it weren't me. Do you know what I mean? But I, I can let it go. But no, I do think that, um, as I say, it goes down to his personality. He's quite a shy, and I say shy despite him appearing on billboards in his pants. But he's quite. He seems like quite a shy character. He's not overly flamboyant or anything like that. He's never going to say anything that's going to rub people up the wrong way too much. So he's the kind of poster boy that you want as your captain, I think. And I. I understand why they made him captain. Kind of slim pickings at the time, I suppose, until Gerard came along. But, you know, it was what it was. So before we move on, just to get this clear, you're both saying he shouldn't be in the talking points when we're going to best ever captains for England. I, I am saying no. Daniel? There's been two good England captains, Bobby Moore and Brian Robson. End of story. Right. Our final debate, which is going to cross over from the little bit inspiration from the first. Is David Beckham overrated or underrated? I mean, you can argue either side it due to his stature as a pop culture icon. Seeing as Daniel doesn't think he wanted being in the Real Madrid team, I feel like <laughs> we're going to go straight to Daniel and be like, so you're arguing for overrated then, Daniel. Is David Beckham overrated or underrated? <sighs> that that's It's tough, but I think, you know, I've often heard David Beckham being talking about as a GOAT and, or not a GOAT, not in the same level as Messi and Ronaldo, obviously, but as a great. One of the elites, one of the legends, one of the people you should watch clips of, that yeah, level. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously he's not. And I think, if there was a differing view to say otherwise, I'm just going to think you're wrong every single time. He was a very good footballer at times. He was good most of his career. Very good at times. Was he ever great? Of course he wasn't. And I think given the air around him, how much praise he gets and how much notoriety he has, I would have to say he's overrated. Tommy, do you... Do you feel like that's fair or do you feel like you can argue he's underrated? I'm I'm going to say a couple of things that sound really contradictory, <laughs> but I feel like they make sense. So I think in general, his contribution to football and his like role within football, I think is overrated and overstated because of his celebrity. But I think because of that, because there's so much focus on Beckham, the celebrity, rather the than the footballer. Exactly. Brand, brand I, think, I think his actual like ability is slightly underrated. Like like I was saying earlier, so I don't think that him in that Real Madrid team was horrendously out of place. And the fact that he was there for four years, apart from his last year, when he fought his way back into the team he was a regular he delivered assists he played regularly and you look at that squad and it was the Dan Raul Ronaldo Figo Agouti Cambiasso and then they added more players to that and he was still there I think that proves that he wasn't like not that people say he's a bad footballer, but because there's so much focus on him being like, oh, David Beckham, he was this, he was that. And it focuses, like, I think, a bit, like, say, a lot on, like, his impact on the game and all of this stuff rather than his actual 
ability, which was very good. So you're saying so, he's not a fraud? Oh, of course he's not a fraud. Okay, but, I, but I, I then think... what I would question you on is, would he have had his place in that team had it not been for the David Beckham brand? Whether they would have signed him is a different question. Does but he if, get in if, that team on merit alone? Does he get in yeah, that team based I, on I, his skill? I think I, I think he does. I think he does. I think if they, if they had signed him for whatever reason they signed him for, if he's not David Beckham, I think he gets in that team. And I think is it is hard to separate it all because of the profile that he has. But I think the fact that like they didn't just be like, oh, okay, we've got like you know a couple of years out of him. He's really not as good as we need him to be. He doesn't fit in properly. But we've made some money off him, like the merchandise things like that, so we can sell him to Milan or Inter or back to England or to Germany or something like that. Did they, he even have a transfer fee after Madrid? No, because he, he he left on a free because they Fabio Capello he didn't like him and he wasn't because playing. there was no money. And then, made in and, then, and, then and then he fought his way back into it. He fought his way back into the squad and then by that point he'd already agreed to go to, to America. I which... guess my point there is that if he had a value as a footballer, in fact, no, because it's not always as a footballer, but if he still had a value in football, surely a club would have been paying money for that. Surely one of the elite clubs, yeah, in fact, the this, biggest this, and best club in the world, Real Madrid, would have said... about who decides who is worth what and fees like that. Because at the end of the day, if he's not favoured by a manager for whatever reason, whether that's because he doesn't fit the system, or he's like, I want somebody in this position who works harder than you, who's quicker than you. If he doesn't fit that, then it, and then he's not playing and his contract's running out why would he then sign a new contract so they can get money for him it's, it's all about who needs what at the time if they'd have a different manager at the time who'd said it, who hasn't fallen out with him or didn't want to play him or whatever then he would have signed a new contract and then he probably would have stayed at Real Madrid for longer or there would have been a fee involved or they would have said he would have been there for a couple more years and then Alec Galax would have been like do you want to come play for us and we're like sure why not I've been he wasn't favoured by Alex Ferguson he wasn't favoured by Alex Ferguson though he's still got a fee for him. That's because he had time left on his contract and that's why the fee was lower because they Sir Alex Ferguson didn't want him anymore. And everyone because knew of it. The media attention. Exactly. I mean a, a football boot to the head would say you didn't want him anymore. He slipped, damn it, but he I, slipped. I just think especially if you're talking about David Beckham and like the transfer fees for him and things like that. I think you've got to take into context of like the time. Like if he was if he was playing now, if he was in the Man United team, somebody would pay over a hundred million pounds for him. Whether that's just based on football ability or anything else, that's a different discussion. Liverpool fan, okay. Yes. Pick the starting eleven from Real Madrid right now okay so obviously you've got Benzema um, Casemiro Modric all of of them okay are you going to pay a transfer fee for any single one of those players would Klopp pay a transfer fee for any one of those players yeah because they have time left on their contract and they have a value with Real Madrid and they're very good players Modric's career running down like I think Modric is free at the end of the season actually well then in that case you wouldn't but if they've got time left on their contract which Beckham didn't when he left Real Madrid then you're going to pay a fee for them if you want them. No, I, I understand don't, the I don't, idea. I don't, I, don't, I don't think nobody paying a fee for him after Real Madrid is a reflection on his ability as a footballer. I absolutely do because why would Madrid? If he was if he was a baller for Madrid, if he still had something to offer as he went to America, and if he'd have if he was a bit like a Lionel Messi, like leaving Barcelona and then going on to the last club of his career for a year, maybe two max, you could understand the no fee there. But he went on to play for another what seven years after Real Madrid case of once the manager decided Real Madrid he made his bed to go to America and then he was committed to that project of making football big in America 
and that's where his head was at. Yeah, I think if, if the situation had been different, if it had been a different manager or at the start of that season, he'd been in the team regularly, he probably would have signed an extension and stayed there longer rather than being like, well, I'm not playing and my contract's running down and they want me to go over there and play football for them. So yeah, I'll go. And is it also a case that going somewhere like LA Galaxy, it was being offered a new task to bring football to America when he's, you know, he's got a Champions League in his back pocket. He's got a Premier League title. He's got a La Liga title. He's played for arguably the two biggest clubs back to back, you know, in terms of success in stuff like that. And what else does he have to prove? Is LA Galaxy not a challenge that he hadn't faced and actually would motivate him? Keep the See, game I'd like, uh, I would like to draw on that. You know, you made the point earlier that he's the only English player to win league titles in four countries, England, Spain, United States and France. Okay. In those four countries, yeah. Okay, so go back to the class of 92, okay? So obviously United won the league in 92-93 and that's when they were really coming through. Him, Gary Neville, Phil Neville, Nicky Butt, Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs and obviously can't forget Robbie Savage because he was part of that class as well. But the fact is you had those, those kind of six players coming through at that time but to say that he was the first English player to win league titles in four countries almost alludes to the fact like he really helped that bear in mind that Real Madrid won La Liga in his last year when he played 19 appearances like I'm going is that really because of Beckham probably not the fact that he went into the uh, PSG side who was probably at the time the one of the biggest teams in France and it's a farmers league anyway like is it that hard to win Liga? Uh, probably not and you know the America is nothing league anyway but playing in that United team that he did play in of course he was going to win the league with that team like I just I but feel like there's a... his part's not been played in that because I look at his Real Madrid stats and look at his Man United stats alright I'm going to acknowledge that his goals could be better 85 and 388 can Considering his free kick ability and 20 and 159 at Real Madrid. But mm-hmm. at Real Madrid, he got 51 assists in 159 games. That's like nearly one in three. And that's kind of decent because it's not like they were going all out in some of them league games to rack up all the goals because they were like second gear. That assist ability, that's got to be like, hey, he played his part. Look at the team he was playing in front of. Absolute world-class players at the time. Of course he was going to get assists. All he's got to do is knock the ball into them and they got to tap it in. The players with that ability, he was never going to fail on assists. I think when you're playing with, you know, a, a front line that's not as good as the Real Madrid front front line at that time and he's still getting assists, then you've got to go, well, is it partly down to the balls that you played in, making it almost impossible for them to miss? I mean, 42 but, and 124 at LA Galaxy. I don't think they were well-renowned for their strikers at the time. 102 in, Man- in 388 at Man United. Have you seen exactly. their defence? Have you seen the defence in the MLS? It's worse than the but Bundesliga and that really says be. something. You were still ahead of the assist average at that time. But like Man United, 102 and 388. And I know you've got to be like, think of all the great Man United strikers. But he went through teams where they were growing as a team together. It wasn't like he always had someone there to a guaranteed goal man there because they were a young team together for some of them seasons. You can't... No, absolute rubbish. When you consider the fact that he walked into a team that had, what, Eric Cantona there, Mark Hughes, that, that kind of what he was learning from. And then when he really kind of cut his teeth into the team, he had Teddy Sheringham, Oli Solskjaer, Andy Cole, Dwight York. Four York of the most Cole, prolific sure, strikers. But you've still got to Te- give them the chances because York and Cole especially, fantastic strikers, but they're ones who've 
you needed service. That's why Fergie's preferred system was with the wingers. And if Beckham was not cutting the mustard of that job, you wouldn't have scored as many goals without him on the pitch. No, and I absolutely, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from David Beckham's ability to assist. But I think the fact remains, when you go back to the notable facts that he's the first English player to win league titles in those four countries, was he one of the key factors? The answer is no. Of course he wasn't. If he was, why wasn't? Why didn't Real Madrid win the league in the first three years that he was there? When he played most of the games on the wing, he played like kind of thirty-two, thirty-one, thirty-two games a season. It was only in his fourth season, as Tommy said rightly earlier, he had to fight his way back into the team. I think he finished that season with less than twenty appearances, and so, they won the league that year. So I'm gonna feel like we're gonna. I'm gonna put the question to you then. So are you definitely gonna say he's overrated because of the pop pop culture icon of his nature? I am, yeah. And Tommy, are you saying saying you acknowledge that what he's done, but playing wise, when you speak to someone like Daniel, particularly this <laughs> evening, that you yeah. do think, yeah, I, I underrated. Would, I would, yeah, I'd, I'd go for the for the other side of the coin, and like I said, I know what I said sounds like it's contradictory, but I no, think I agree with what you're saying. Point. Definitely, I do agree with what you're saying. I understand I why I would think, see contradictory. If you look at sort of like when he did retire, sort of like at PSG playing his last game, all of like the the circus around it almost, and then you look at other players, other English players. <laughs> around the time like Gerard Lampard even like Skulls like all of these people in midfield and nobody else has got sort of like that obviously like for the fans of the team they played for I mean England fans yes but then in general I think everybody was like oh my gosh David Beckham and that, that's kind of what I mean like that kind of thing about him as a foot like in football in general but yeah I think it sort of took away from his actual ability because it was more about who he is and things like that Can we just take a minute to reflect here as well we've got a Liverpool fan saying that David Beckham is underrated and a Man United <laughs> fan saying that he's overrated. I didn't expect the uh, beef to be this way around, but here we are. We, You know what? You might unite now. This might be... You've you've been torn apart in a weird way, but now this this segment might bring you together because we're going to go into some nice regular segments of the football beef. We're going to look at what some pundits said about Beckham and you're going to judge between you whether it's a harsh or fair comment. So we're calling this segment Pundit Patrol. Pundit Patrol. So quote one comes from Gordon McQueen. I think his career was on the slide when he left Manchester United. I know he went to Madrid and did all right and won the league, but when he went to America, it was the beginning of the end. I feel Daniel has said similar and wants to give this one a nice thumbs up and say Daniel approved. Yeah, I agree with him implicitly. Tommy, are you willing to say that's a fair assessment or do you once again want to say that's one of the harsher beginning of the end? I think it's a little bit harsh because he still went to Real Madrid, one of the biggest teams in the world, probably arguably one of the biggest two teams in the world along with Barcelona. He played there for a number of years. He was a regular in the team for three of those years. And then even when he went to America, yes, the standard of football there isn't what it is in the top leagues in Europe. But again, he still, for whatever reason, again, came back to Europe to play for Milan twice and PSG and played for them regularly on loan. So I think it's a bit harsh. We're going to move on to quote two that comes from Martin Tyler, everyone's favourite voice. Some people's favourite voice. Sly. You're my favourite voice. Thank you. Thank you. I'm about to read his quote, so it's like it's going to be the best of both worlds here. He said, (laughs) you always think of his crossing, but he was a better 
better all-round footballer than he was given credit for. I had my doubts when he went to Real Madrid, but he proved that he was a proper player in any climate, country, or team. Daniel, so, Martin Tyler, why is he wrong? I kind of feel that if he said that, he's doing his job kind of supporting players. I don't really put much weight on what he's said. As an all-round footballer, so your job as a footballer is either to defend... Can he do that? No. Can he run? No. Can he score goals? Occasionally, usually from dead balls. Didn't score many goals uh, from open play. Uh, you know, I would say probably, I think it's like a third of his goals are from set like set pieces. I mean, and his, when his you... goal scoring is quite low as just in general when you consider 17 goals for England in 115 caps. Not exactly that. No, but th- that does kind of solidify the point. It's like, you know, what was his job? To be an all-round good footballer, you'd have to say he was good at his job. And I would question what his job was then, because, you know, we will be the first people, whether it be yourself, myself or Tommy, would say, oh, when you think of David Beckham, you think of dead ball. Martin Tyler just called him better all-round footballer than he was given credit for. Where's his all-round football then? Because he couldn't run for shit. I don't know what else he'd done apart from quite a few dead balls and crosses. He scored some delicious chips. There is lots of montage of some delicious chips. That gives him the all-round footballer status. Does this pretty much more sum up your opinion? I feel like the first quote from Gordon McQueen is Daniel's spirit animal. I feel Martin Tyler has kind of echoed what you've said, really, that he's proved that he was a proper because of the way he coped. Yeah, him. I think I think that's fair. The argument was made in the summer for the Euros that, oh, you need to take Trent Alexander-Arnold or James Ward-Prowse needs to be in there because of the set-piece delivery and you don't need somebody for that. And I think it will come in terms of what Daniel was saying about you either need to do this, like defend or do this. It all just depends on what the manager wants your role in the team to be. I think passing ability was really good. He had good vision, great technique here to be able to play those crosses in in the way that he did and take the free kicks in the way that he did because, as we see, not very many people can take free kicks like that. I thought he was going to say the line. Say the line, Tommy. Not many people can bend it like Beckham. Right, quote three. Comes from Charlie Nicholas. I think he's been an absolute superstar. Forget about the Beckham brand. He gave every ounce of blood and guts when he was on a football field, yet he wasn't Lionel Messi or in the top 20 most skillful players in the world. But he brought honesty, commitment and style to every team he played for. Tommy, with the blood, sweat and tears thing, is that kind of sort of, this is like the most backhanded compliment. He's saying forget about the uh, Beckham brand, but at the same time, he's then like, he's not the most skillful, but honesty, commitment and style. Is that not like the basic you require as a professional footballer? Yeah, I, I, I guess it is really. But honesty and commitment, obviously style is probably you know he says forget the brand which I think is part, it's almost impossible to do with David Beckham more than any other footballer but I think that's kind of what you have to do and yeah I, I guess in a way it's sort of a bit of backhanded compliment to say like he, he always did this but I think as we've seen with some players you don't always get that I think it's fair to say forget about the Beckham brand and look at how he was an actual footballer but then maybe just being like he brought honesty and commitment and things like that is a bit unfair just to say he brought that Daniel is you, you going on with that as a sort of minimum requirement that's not really a compliment he said that he's an absolute superstar. Forget about the Brecon brand. By his very first statement there, I think he's an absolute superstar. More than suggests that it's he's looking at his off-the-field stuff more than on the field by saying he's a superstar. He's taking him out of the realm of football there. Forget about the Brecon 
Beckham brand. He gave every ounce of blood and guts when he was on the football field. Again, question that. Yes, he wasn't messy or in the top 20 most skillful players. So it's kind of like you said earlier about a backhanded compliment. Like he said, he's an absolute superstar. But you know what? He's not that skillful, but he brought honesty. So like, is that all you've got to do to be a superstar now? Just bring honesty and commitment. You know, there's there's so many footballers in the Premier League and the Championship right now doing exactly that, but they're not considered superstars. And the Championship. I mean, honesty, commitment and style. <laughs> Let's say that's honesty and commitment definitely exists in the Championship. If anything, there's a little bit too much commitment. But you look at the, the fact that he's calling him an absolute superstar and just saying, well, yeah, he weren't that skillful, but he brought honesty and commitment. I just automatically have to refute anything that man says. I honestly think it's a very harsh assessment because I think it does underrate what he did He did do well. I mean, even Daniel, who's been harsh himself, I would say, tonight on Beckham or today, whenever you listen to this podcast. Yeah, at the end of the day, the passing accuracy, his corners and dead ball specialists, is, I mean, that's more than blood and guts right there. That's like free. I just... Oh, absolutely. And, you know, he could. He was not to the same level as Scolzi, but... My God, could he find someone with a ball? And like, you know, you you look at the uh, Champions League 99 final, you know, you instantly think of Solskjaer scoring a winning goal and Sheringham scoring the goal to tie us up. But you never actually consider who was it that put those corners in? Yeah, there's the man, an art the, to a good corner. It's the man we're talking about tonight. Yeah, it's the man we're talking about tonight. Yeah. And, you know, we, we do know his dead ball abilities. We know that he can find a pass. We know that he can find a a, pla- a a man, he can find a player. But with the rest of the nonsense, the yeah, he went one of the most skillful players in the world. Like I just, I'm questioning what Charles Charlie Nicholas is saying there. Moving on to the next one, the this is from Slatan, so you know it's got to be good. But he said the person who has negative things to say is either jealous or hates him because there are no negative things to say about him. So I'm here <laughs> asking Daniel whether it's, whether it's jealousy or hate towards Beckham that you have. Or both. It's neither. It's a okay. uh, an observation. <laughs> it's an observation towards football in general and people's perception of footballers. Some are just amazing on the pitch and they are a real, every time they step onto a pitch, you know something special is going to happen. I don't think we got that with Beckham throughout his career. You know, there's players right now playing absolute unbelievable football. I would I would look at Tommy and say obviously uh, Salah right now absolutely one of the best footballers on the planet playing some of the best football of his career and he will be remembered for the run that he's in right now but would I consider him one of the greatest of all times absolutely not of course not but yeah so it's not really a negative thing it's not a jealousy or a hatred of Beckham I absolutely love Beckham as a professional and for what he's done for football but as a footballer, I couldn't agree with everything, all the plaudits and all the, the praise that he gets. I just don't think it's realistic. Tommy, do you think that's a fair quote by Slatan, or is it more of a person? I think it's harsh because it's, there's always negative things you can say about any footballer. There's always something that they're not good at or great at, or there's something that you're like, oh, if he had this about him, he would be, you know, incredible. Uh, I, I don't think it's fair to say that if somebody says something bad about David Beckham, that they're jealous or they hate him. Maybe if it's a professional footballer saying something about him, then they, I think it's fair to say you're just jealous that you're not David Beckham or you don't have this or that. But I think in general, I think it's, it's fair to criticise him. And the uh, last quote of Pundit Patrol from Nigel Winterburns. He could dribble with the ball, but he didn't need to dribble with the ball. If you're putting yourself into areas of the pitch where you're still effective, then why do you need to dribble the ball? Does that... Sh- 
shoot down your hole running what does he do because <laughs> i mean this like you said he could just whip it in find a 50p pence in the uh, penalty box if necessary well more often than not what did uh, david beckham become famous for at united i think it was quite prevalent for most people to see it was the overlap i think gary neville even made something to do with it i read i read something not that long ago about it was called the overlap or something like that and it was basically alluding to what he done with david beckham the facts that gary neville knew and everyone knew that david beckham couldn't run so nigel winterman needs to pull his head out of his ass he couldn't run and gary neville used to do the running for him that's why gary neville would pass it to him beckham would hold it up beckham would then feed it through to Gary Neville and Gary Neville would run on into the box or wherever he was going to do with it. So for me, Nigel Winterman's just chatting shit and I don't know where he's getting that from. Tommy, are you as harsh on that or do you see where he's coming from with that? It's like a defence really of David Beckham's playing style. See where he's coming from, just in the point of view of, again, everybody, every footballer has their strengths and weaknesses unless you're a freak of nature like Ronaldo who is tall and strong and far, then, you know, a bit, a bit of a freak of nature. I'm sure that he could dribble with the ball, just that it was not a part of the part again, it was the strongest for him. And then if he could find other ways, or if the team in general could find other ways to get him into the position that he needed to be in by doing something like that with Gary Neville, which I guess is more about sort of the either the the, the brilliance of Sir Alex Ferguson or just like the the general intelligence and understanding football wise of David Beckham and Gary Neville to be like, okay, this is what we'll do so that, you know, you're you're not as athletic as I am. I'm more about the hard running than getting the ball in the box. You're sort of more pick up the ball, pick out a pass or work it out. I think the point about it is, you know, if you're you're still being effective when you get the ball or in an area where you can be, then you don't need to be messy with the ball at your feet to dribble it. So it's a fair comment, but maybe... Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, like, like I said, I don't know that he would have been the most effective or, or best dribbler. I agree with general. that, actually, because it's not something we saw that often, is it? But really? If you asked him to do it, he may have been out. Like, but if oh, you're not... Oh, I'm, I'm sure he could have run rings around me with the ball at his feet. <laughs> but I'm not a professional footballer. I never will be a professional footballer. And if I was, I definitely wouldn't have been good at defending. But I think like, if you were to put the ball at his feet and put the ball at even like something like Giggs, like put the ball at both their feet, Giggs would beat him on dribbling a thousand percent I agree with but, you but I, the things that Beckham would probably do with the ball in different areas are different to the gig so like I said I don't know that he was an amazing dribbler that he would have been able to you know dribble past four or five people to whip in the ball but if all he needs to do is be able to shift out of his feet and get a cross in or pass or play like a one-two with Gary Neville then that's what he needs to do that was what got him to where he needs to be to be effective do you know what it almost reminds me of something Tommy was saying there I, I don't know if you've have you seen the film Goal yeah a long time ago Okay, so I don't know if you remember, but Santiago, he was having a training session in the um, closed arena thingy, Majig, and I remember the the coach, the, the manager had kicked a ball and he said, go chase after this. And basically, like, he said, you know, catch it before it touches the ground or something like that. And he ca- like he could not reach it. And he's, uh, the coach said, now, what have you learned today? He said, oh, you can shoot from halfway. And he said, no. He said that the ball travels faster than the man. Yeah. And I think, obviously, Giggs never really used to play balls in like Beckham did, but Giggs would run with the ball. But, to, you know, to allude to Tommy's point there is that Beckham could find a player in space and stuff like that and would ping a ball over the top of people so he didn't need to run. And I guess, again, going to Nigel Winterburn's point there, he didn't dribble, but I couldn't say that he could based on the evidence that I saw, the fact that whenever he had the ball, he never did dribble. He would either pass it to Gary Neville or he would ping it over the top of everyone. Now we finish the episode of Football Beef with a quick fire round. Up first, Tommy. 
the quick fire round. So, Tommy, I'm going to ask you questions. Just say the, say one or the two answers. Just pick one. Hit me with you it. can regret it Clear afterwards. But let's go. Mind. Beckham or Giggs? Beckham. Man bun or cornrows? Man bun. Roberto Carlos on free kicks or Beckham on free kicks? Beckham on free kicks. Who's more famous, David or Victoria? David. Free kick v Greece or halfway line goal v Wimbledon? Oh, the, the free kick versus Greece. Bend it like Beckham or goal? Goal. Man United, right or wrong to sell in 2003? Right. Michael Owens, WLS 2000 or David Beckham soccer? If it is full title, Michael Owens, World League soccer. <laughs> Sorry. Every day of the week. Apologies. MOS, too soon or not soon enough? The right time. And final question, overrated or underrated? Over, no, underrated. <laughs> Over, yeah, under. No, I could, you want a quick fire? My, my answer, my one word answer couldn't <laughs> completely encapsulate all of my thoughts on the subject matter. Now it's the turn of Daniel on the quick fire round. Are you ready, Daniel? The quick fire round. I'm ready. Beckham or Giggs? Giggs. Man bun or cornrows? Man bun. Roberto Carlos on free kicks or Beckham on free kicks? Beckham all day. Carlos is a myth. Who is more famous, David or Victoria? David. Free kick v Greece or halfway line goal v Wimbledon? Versus Wimbledon. Club over country every day. Bend it like Beckham or goal? Goal. Why I, man? Man United, right or wrong to sell in 2003? 1000% right. Michael Owens, WLS 2000 or David Beckham soccer? David Beckham soccer. <laughs> MRS, too soon or not soon enough? Right time for Victoria. Overrated or underrated? Overrated. And that's case close on David Beckham. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tommy, for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. And Daniel, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Be sure to join us again next Friday at 7am by rating us five stars, subscribing and make sure you 100% have no chance of missing out on the next episode by following us at BuzzFootball on Twitter. Bye. Football beef! Not heard the latest about pooping prime ministers? What podcast have you been listening to? Because it definitely isn't the Totally Buzz podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and totallybuzz.co.uk. So what are you waiting for? Tune in now to hear all the latest news from around the web. On the Totally Buzzed podcast, the only place to be totes buzzed.